I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about a new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix Brainchild. The adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, problem solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes, the perfect length for car rides, mealtimes, break times, and bedtime. Unless, of course, your kid is like mine and adventure stories at bedtime are a little too stimulating, if you know what I mean. Either way, tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I do think that we do ourselves and our kids a huge service by being sometimes more like camp counselors than parents. (laughs) Like, I mean, I realize that, you know, you're not going to be the same as a camp counselor. I mean, none of us are going to be as fun as like the kids camp counselor, but we can have our moments, you know, we can create some of that fun as parents. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm Debbie Reber, your host, and today's episode is about a rite of passage for many kids, summer camp. I know from personal experience that summer camp can have many benefits for our kids, and I also know that it's not always easy to find the best fit or to prepare our kids for what to expect and have a positive experience. So this week, I'm bringing on to the show Audrey Monkey, a summer camp director, parent, writer, and speaker who follows the research trends and best practices regarding parenting, positive psychology, and youth development. Audrey is also the author of the new book, Happy Campers, Nine Summer Camp Secrets for Raising Kids Who Become Thriving Adults a book that introduces a framework of intentional strategies to help parents create the same kind of transformational culture that kids experience at camp. Audrey has researched and written extensively on the topics of summer camp, social skills, parenting, and well-being. And she is on a mission as a parent and youth development professional to help raise a generation of kids who become responsible, independent, and flourishing adults. So in today's episode, We are going to talk about that, but we're not only going to touch upon the benefits of summer camp for kids and how parents can tap into that summer camp magic at home. But because camp can be such a challenging experience for a lot of our differently wired kids, I asked Audrey to share her insights with us about things like how to communicate with camp staff about a child's neurodivergence, how to find the right summer camp and how to support a differently wired kid before and during camp, and much more. This is a great episode. If you're considering summer camp for your child, or you have concerns or questions about how to ensure it's a successful experience for them, I hope you enjoy it. And now, on with the show. Hey, Audrey, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. This is such a great conversation to be having before summer. And I know a lot of parents are thinking about camp. And so we're going to be talking about camp from many different angles today, which I'm excited about. But before we get into that, can you take a few minutes to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. I love your podcast so much. Um, my name is Audrey Monkey, and my background is actually as a summer camp director. I've been working at a summer camp for 30, this will be my 35th summer. And so over those years, I've had the pleasure of working with thousands of kids and um, young adult counselors and parents and have really had sort of a front row seat to just kind of what's going on with kids and trends and parenting and trends with kids. And um, I've also always had a lifelong interest in well-being and personal growth. And so I've always read a lot about those kind of things and ended up actually going back to school just a few years ago as a 48-year-old to get my master's in psychology because I was really intrigued with the whole field of positive psychology and the study of what makes people flourish or thrive and especially how we can apply that with kids. So I, um, yeah, so I'm a camp person. I have my master's in psychology. And then, you know, on a personal level, I'm married and have five kids. And so been raising five kids. They currently range in age from 15 to 25. And they're all very unique and um, lots of fun. So I've kind of had this world colliding of, you know, managing a business and raising my kids and helping with these other people's kids, training counselors, and all of these things have kind of intersected to just a lot of kind of experience and ideas that I now am really trying to share with people both inside the camp community and also outside the community. I love that when worlds collide and, you know, all the personal and professional just comes together in such a fantastic way. So I love that. So, well, let's just start by talking about just camp in general, sleepaway camp. I know that you are a fan of camp for kids and what it can provide for them. So what, in your opinion, experience, what makes camp so important for kids? Well, I obviously am biased because of because I work in the camp industry and I'm, you know, immersed sort of in the field. Um, but I also know, and this is part of why I went back to school too. Um, there's actually research backing what camp industry professionals know, and that is that camp experiences have a positive impact on kids. And so, you know, anecdotally from many years, I've heard from so, so many kids and then adults who are are reflecting on their time as campers camp, that camp changed them for the better, that um, helped them kind of figure out who they were, um, helped them discover new things about themselves, things they liked, and also probably most importantly, helped them form really, really close, long-lasting friendships that many last for their whole life, like adults who are still close friends with their camp friends. And so I knew this all anecdotally. And now both my own research and the research of many other people, including a big study that's going on right now through the University of Utah, that is just really trying to figure out what are the outcomes that 
kids get from camp. And probably the number one thing that they're finding through their early kind of early findings, they're halfway through this five-year study is it's the relationships. It's the relationship skills and it's the actual close relationships. So that really is sort of the unique contribution of summer camp in that in other places like school, for example, the focus and like the primary goal and focus is, you know, academics at school. And when, you know, when teachers are trying to help kids with some social things or friendships, it's sort of a side thing or, you know, an occasional assembly. But really during the time when kids are socially interacting like recess or that kind of thing, there's not a lot of guidance for them. And then um, even like in sports, same thing. Most coaches are not really thinking about the interpersonal skills kids need to, you know, be good teammates and that kind of thing. Instead, they're focusing on, you know, the drills and the skills for the sport. And so it's so awesome to be able to work with kids in a place, summer camp, where our number one focus is on those social emotional skills. So it's the, it is the relationships, it's the friendship skills, it's the character. So we get to focus on that. And I love that that's our primary focus more than in any of those other venues. And this is not say that every camp does this. So I want to make sure I get the caveat (laughs) because I would say, you know, there are I'm kind of speaking more to camps that are more of a traditional camp um, where, you know, lots of different activities are going on and the focus is on sort of the group and the whole experience, not a camp that's like a soccer camp or something that's just for one specific skill. Mm -hmm. Um, Although there are sports camps where the counselors are also trained in the, you know, social skills. So anyway, so I think that's really the the magic of camp is the connection and relationships, the face-to-face time kids get. Um, Most camps, and I hope, I wish all camps, but most camps um, are unplugged. So kids don't have their phones and there's no screens. And so it's a very unique time where kids both have the opportunity to be away from their screens and also to have independence from their parents while they're at camp. Right, right. So I'm curious to know for, you know, I, I often do these interviews and, and I draw from my personal experience. So I'm doing that here. Um, with some differently wired kids, they may go to camp and not make a connection. They may not have that close bond, or they may really struggle throughout camp. In your experience, is there value in, in surviving? I'm using air quotes, but in, you know, but in kind of getting through that, I mean, I know there, there wasn't a sleepaway three week adventure camp that um, my son went to last summer, and he didn't particularly love it. It was for twice exceptional kids. um, But he didn't really form any connections Has stayed in touch with with no one. But I was pretty pleased that he was there, that he he made it. And so what what would you say about the benefits even for kids who don't necessarily thrive in the way, the way we might want to see them? Well, I have so many thoughts on that. First of all, I would have loved for him to have gotten more coaching and help with the connections while he was there. So mm-hmm. I don't know the program or I can't really speak to that. But I do think that even children who, I mean, like I hear from a lot of parents whose kids really have trouble at school with social connections and friendships, who still 
figure out and make some connections at camp. And so my hope is that all kids can at least get, you know, one friend from the experience um, that they find someone that they have something in common with that they can connect with. And there are a lot of different kinds of camps and with different focuses. And especially if you can find a camp that has, you know, the interests or activities that your child's really excited about, they can often connect with other kids over the common things that they like or experience together. Um, Yes, there is some benefit always to kind of overcoming or getting through difficult or challenging experiences. And a lot of like wilderness, outdoor things, they really do build some important traits like persistence and just, you know, you find out you can do more than you thought you could do. And you find out you can do more for yourself away from your parents. So there are some benefits just to being, you know, away and doing something and getting through it. Um, My hope would be, of course, that there's more to it than just that. And so, you know, I don't know, I can't speak to that specific program, but, you know, did you talk to them ahead of time and sort of give them like, like ideas and strategies of what could help him connect more? No, I think I just put my trust in their ability because it was specifically catering to differently wired kids that I kind of was like, okay, they've, they've got it. This is what they do. And I, I actually think that they did a good job. I just think it could have been the group dynamic. It could have, it just didn't gel. And it also could just be who my kid is, you know, and expectations. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I guess part of, I would say, regardless of what program you're sending your kid to and whether they're specially geared towards something or not, or you're not sure, I really encourage parents to contact and talk to someone at the program, the camp director or whoever coordinates cabin placements and counselor assignments. Because honestly, you are the expert on your kid. And I know you talk about this a lot on your podcast. No one knows your child better than you do. So regardless of the training or whatever the focus is at the camp, I know that camp directors love to get the insights before your child comes to us. I interview a lot of camp directors on my podcast, and we always talk about how sometimes parents will call and say, oh my gosh, so sorry to bother you, you know, but I have a question. And we're like, no, it's not a bother. This We, we want you to call us because we want your child to have a great experience. And the more we know ahead of time, the better we can ensure that your child has a good experience. So we really want to talk to you and figure out what are things that are going to help this child succeed at camp, have a great experience, connect with others? You know, what are little tips that you found are are helpful? So that would be one thing. I don't know that it would have helped in this circumstance. It sounds like they were well prepared and that he had, I mean, didn't have a terrible experience, which is good, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just wasn't quite, I guess it didn't, yeah, it didn't quite meet that magical expectation that he was going to come home after three weeks and have a few friends he would keep in touch with or, or have connected with. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate to the kind of permission to communicate with the camp staff and counselors about who our kids are. I think there's obviously for many of us some concerns, you know, how much is too much to share and yeah, and not wanting to be that squeaky wheel for a number of reasons. So it's just nice to hear as a reminder that really people who do this work, they do it because they want the campers to have an amazing transformative experience. So any insights we can share to work towards that goal is a great thing. 
Yes. And I also think it's really important that you as a parent feel comfortable with like the camp's philosophy and, you know, their behavior management strategies and, you know, their counselors training. And by talking to them, you can get a feel for, is this going to be a place that I feel comfortable partnering with, you know, for this experience for my child? And I think you can get some insights from that conversation of if you feel like this is going to be a good match for your child. And, you know, I think that a lot of times parents are hesitant, especially if their child has some kind of diagnosis or, you know, what we call a label about some kind of thing going on. Um, Sometimes parents are hesitant to share that because they don't want, you know, their kid coming into a new place and immediately being kind of like, oh, that's this kid with such and such. But um, I know, again, just like at any place that's well run, any kind of information is very much confidential and only shared with people who need to have that information. In fact, one of the things we tell our parents is that on the form they fill out for counselors, we don't want them to tell them any kind of, you know, nothing about any kind of diagnoses or medicine or anything like that, but instead share with the counselor what are things that are helpful in working with this child, <laughs> you know, like reminders in advance, um, different things like that. And then on the health information, you know, that the nurses have, then you place if they, if they have any medications that they take or things like that. So we try to like let parents know that it's important to share information, but you don't have to share everything with everyone, but you do need to make sure that we have the whole picture and that we're able to then care for your child and set them up for success before they even arrive. Um, and so that's really, I think, if you're not comfortable sharing about your child, then it's probably not a good program for you to send your child to. Well, how do we find programs that would work for our child or have the best chances of working? You mentioned looking for programs where the activities and interests are things that would attract your child and would increase the chances that they would connect with other kids over those activities. Any other criteria that we should be paying attention to? We'll be right back after this quick break. If you listen to the show, you probably know that at least one in five children is differently wired. But did you know that approximately one in two women will experience hair thinning? If you're part of that 50%, you are absolutely not alone. But because hair thinning for women isn't something people openly talk about, going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. So why not do something about it with Nutrafol? Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth isn't going to cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, postpartum, menopause, even for different lifestyles like a plant-based diet. To get your personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes, you can take a simple hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com. And because there's no prescription required, you can quickly get set up online with free shipping and automated deliveries, which make it so much easier to stick with your new hair care routine. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code TILT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code TILT. That's Nutrafol.com promo code TILT. 
This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. I'm very much, and I, I talk about this a lot, um, very much a fan of looking for accredited programs, so programs that are accredited by the American Camp Association. So the American Camp Association, I'll share the link with you so you can share it with your listeners, has a um, find a camp resource on their website. And it has kind of everything on there. And it talks about even um, there are some camps that are specifically designed for kids with different special needs or requirements. Um, but also just all about the different activities, day camps, resident camps, different price ranges, all that at lo- geographical locations. And they list a lot of programs. Not all of them, though, are accredited, but some are designated with the accreditation. I'm really a huge proponent of accreditation because basically it's assuring parents that this camp meets kind of the industry standards of training, supervision, program, all the program and safety and health requirements. So it's sort of, to me, the baseline, like, let's make sure this is an accredited program, because that's going to share some things. And then I really do think that you want your child involved in the process. So if you're thinking about a camp, you know, find out from them, what are they interested in? Um, most camps have, you know, videos on the websites and different things that show what's going on at the camp. So I would say you really want your child to be, even if they're nervous, at least excited about what's offered there. And then, like I said, it's the conversation with the people meeting, maybe families who've been to the program, talking to them, talking to parents, you could ask the camp, hey, you know, my kid's has this and this going on? And do you have any other parents who have children who have similar issues that I could talk to? You know, can I talk to them? And and so you can get, I would really just do a little, spend your time doing some research, talking to both the camp and other people who've been to the camp to see if you feel like it's going to be a good match for you and your child. I like this idea of getting your child involved in the decision. And then of course, watching videos and going over the packet and 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 that kind of thing. So the child has a sense of what to expect. Do you have any other tips for how parents can prepare their child for camp? I know with a lot of our kids, they get they're excited about it, or they're okay with it. And then as the camp gets closer, then suddenly they want to put the brakes on and get out of it. So just any ideas around how we can prepare them in a way that 
feels positive and respectful, but also makes it clear that we are still going to camp. Yes, this is really common with all kids. <laughs> in fact, it's it's very common that, you know, you're really excited six months before it all looks really fun. And then when you get down to the wire, the kids start getting nervous, just like adults get nervous when you're doing something new that you are not exactly sure, you know, who's going to be there and what to expect and all that. So a couple things that I always tell parents is to, first of all, Stay really positive in expressing confidence in your child, just letting them know, you know what, I know you're nervous and that's normal to feel nervous about new things. And I know that this is going to be really great for you. I know you're ready for this. Um, just really build them up. I think, I mean, I'm, you know, we all know that our kids really read our emotions a lot. And if they see us kind of wavering or they hear us talking with someone else and saying, oh, I don't know how it's going to go, you know, or whatever, that really spills over to them and can make them more anxious. So even if you're, you're nervous, which is natural as a parent, just really being positive with your child and being real that yes, there could be some challenging moments. And yes, you could miss home. And I'm really excited for this experience because it's going to help you grow. And I'm so excited because this is one of those things that's going to be this adventure that's going to help you have other bigger adventures, you know, later as you get older. And so there's a lot of positive messages about the benefits of the experience. I've written a lot about this. I actually have a post I can share with you, just messages for a hesitant or anxious camper because it's it's common um, anytime you're doing something new to just feel like, I don't know if I really want to do this. I'm uncomfortable. Well, I really like the language you shared too, just that steadiness, like you're ready for this and it's totally normal to feel nervous, but you've got this, you know, and just sharing that really calmly and confidently I imagine goes a long way. Oh my gosh, yes. And I actually really am a proponent of sharing and talking with kids ahead of time about even homesickness, which some people say, oh, don't talk about it. It's going to make it happen more. But that is is not true. Um, people are going to feel what they're going to feel. And so by giving kids language and normalizing, everyone feels better. So with the just homesickness, which is something that we anticipate, all kids are going to have to some extent. Um, some are very mild or will say, I didn't feel homesick at all. And some are more extreme. But regardless, it's something that we talk about before camp with the kids and the parents. We talk about it when the kids arrive at camp in our orientation. We mention to them, hey, you know what? This is new to some of you. This is your first day here. And it's normal to be missing home. So here are some people you can talk to. Here are some things you can try. So we really talk about it instead of making it something like, we're not going to talk about this because then it'll go away because it doesn't. It just makes kids either keep it inside or feel like what they're feeling isn't okay. And so we really want to make sure that kids know they are going to be taken care of and they can have their feelings and they can cry if they're feeling homesick and there'll be people to comfort them and to help them with coping strategies. And it doesn't mean they need to go home just because they're feeling that. And so I, that's something that I really feel strongly about that, you know, hopefully all camps are doing this. I know a lot do when they're kind of informed about kids and development is just making sure that kids know it's okay to feel all the things. It's okay to be really having a lot of fun 
and really missing home. You know, that's kind of life. Sometimes you have your, you know, all these different emotions going on. And so we'll tell kids like, you know, it's okay that you kind of get a little homesick at night. That's pretty normal. And look, you also had fun today. You can have both going on at the same time. Okay, so let's switch gears. You have a new book out. It's called Happy Campers, Nine Summer Camp Secrets for Raising Kids Who Become Thriving Adults. And I love that because I think that's what we all want. We want to raise humans who can thrive and be independent and kind of rock their lives. So tell us why you wrote that book. Well, it it goes back to sort of my experience and my history and that I saw that so much of what we do at camp and how we train our camp counselors in some of just sort of the sort of basics of child development and well-being are things that aren't necessarily taught to teachers or parents in any venue. So some of these really basic things we have, you know, most camps have a week to 10 days to train college age kids to work with their campers. And so that's kind of a big task. So we really need to kind of narrow down what are the big messages? What are the things they need to learn about communication and leadership and, you know, different needs and narrow it down and teach them how to be these really positive leaders of kids. And so many times I've had the thought over my three decades at camp of everybody should be a camp counselor before they're a parent because (laughs) it's such a great training ground before you become a parent yourself. So I had thought that. And then, so I, about in 2012, I started just writing posts. Um, I started my website, Sunshine Parenting, and it's called Sunshine Parenting because at my camp, we have camp names and my camp name is Sunshine. So that's what <laughs> the kids and the counselors and even the parents call me at camp. So I started this little blog in 2012 and I just started putting down mostly thoughts and things that we did with our staff during staff training. And it sort of just kind of kept growing. It was mostly our own camp families, but then people from other camps and teachers and other people started following along. And then later I started a podcast um, in about 2016. And so I just found that so many people were open to hearing these, what I considered sort of normal, you know, activities that I kind of thought, oh, doesn't everybody know about this stuff? I found out that they don't and that some of the simple strategies and things that we do at summer camp can really help families just create kind of more fun connection, um, better relationships at home. And I tried out a lot of the stuff in my own kids. And so I really knew that this stuff works and it's not that hard. And so I wanted to make sure that whether or not people have ever been to summer camp or been a camp counselor, they could still learn these kind of camp secrets of things that we do that create transformational changes in a lot of the campers that parents witness when their kids get home. You know, they'll say, wow, gosh, they change so much. They seem more confident. They seem, you know, they're better socially. Wow, how did you do that? And so I really wanted to just share with people so they can try some of these things just with their own kids or in their classrooms and in other settings. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm on the road this month and oh man, am I missing my sweet kitties, Haskell and Lua. They've been a part of our family for more than two years and I'm so grateful they're keeping Darren such good company while I'm away. 
If you're getting a new pet soon, you're probably already thinking about everything you'll need to buy. Food, toys, a cozy bed, doggy bags, or litter boxes. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Seems like so much of it is a mindset piece too. You know, I think during the school year, so many of us are just trying to get our kids through the school year. We're running around to activities or sports things, trying to keep them on top of their homework. We're juggling work and, you know, all these pieces and siblings uh, of, of our lives. And so there's such a more relaxed atmosphere, you know, at camp um, that I'm sure supports the child too. So in your experience, are these things that parents, is it possible really to to bring that camp vibe or, or the, the gifts of camp into those hectic lives that many of us are leading? I really think you can. Um, and I've done that with my own family. And what's funny is when I started parenting, I kind of was like doing that, doing it the same way everyone else was. And that when my kids, so my oldest who are 25 and 23, when they were little, 
I was doing the too much thing that a lot of parents get into where you're working and you're also, you know, you're doing a lot of volunteering and you're being the room mom and you're leading the scout troop. And like I was doing all that stuff and pretty frazzled because of all of it. And one day I just realized, gosh, it can be more like camp at home. I don't need to be like frazzled all the time. And so it's really just requires, I think, some stepping back and really evaluating do we need to be doing all these things? I mean, if your family is so busy that you don't have time to just hang out together and, you know, chat for five or 10 minutes or cook a meal together or turn some music on while you're doing the dishes or something, little things like that, then kind of need to rethink that if, you know, if your life is so, so overscheduled or frazzled, then there needs to be some reprioritizing anyway. And that's what I I found, you know, especially with so many kids in my house, I needed to sometimes just say, okay, you know, even though a lot of other people are doing these things, we don't necessarily, we don't need to. And I don't need to say yes to every volunteer opportunity. And, you know, it does require um, kind of stepping back and being willing to not do things like the way everyone else is. But I I think, and I'm hoping that my book gives people that insight and that permission to realize that it doesn't have to be so unpleasant. Life can be more fun and connected, but you do need to put some effort in. And sometimes it requires just minor habit changes or little new traditions that you start. Um, And it can start small with, you know, very very simple things. It doesn't have to be some major family transformation, but I do think that we do ourselves and our kids a huge service by being sometimes more like camp counselors than parents. (laughs) Like, I mean, I realize that, you know, you're not going to be the same as a camp counselor. I mean, none of us are going to be as fun as like the kids camp counselor, but we can have our moments, you know, we can create some of that fun as parents that we do as camp counselors. Does this mean I need to tune my uh, guitar tonight and break out the the, the folk songs uh, after dinner? Do you play guitar? I do. Well, and have you ever played with your kids? Sometimes I will pick it up. It's been a while. I'll pick it up and just and strum and sing a few tunes. I don't know that it's appreciated, but I will do that. Yes. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of these things, I would say yes, especially if it's something that you enjoy. My One of my biggest messages to parents always is one of the best ways you raise a thriving adult is showing them what one looks like. So it's very powerful, our modeling. And I know you're a big proponent of self-care. I listened to your episode on you know, self-care and not that kind of indulgence, like whatever, leaving for a week to go to a spa, but just taking care of yourself. I'm a huge proponent of that. And I really learned with all my kids and with my job and my life that there were things that I I need to do to take care of myself. And it actually has ended up modeling for my kids what adults do. So for example, I love to read. So I read a lot. My kids see me reading. I like to run or, and now it's sometimes more walking. Um, and my kids see me doing that. And now my adult kids I noticed that they like to do some of those things too. They're big readers and they like to go on runs. And so I see that I think a lot of what we do as parents is just show our kids, okay, so this is how a thriving adult balances life. You know, you you get to hang out with your friends sometimes, you have to work your job, sometimes your job takes more time, sometimes less. You know, I think that's a big part of it is realizing that we can't 
show our kids, if we're just a harried parent and our whole life just seems to be revolving around them and getting them what they need and what they're doing, they're not really that motivated to grow up. It doesn't make it look that fun to be an adult. Right. That's a great reminder. So, okay, you have organized the book into these secrets, things that parents could just keep in mind in their lives to support their kids. And one of the favorites for me was camp secret number six, which is that kids are more capable than parents think they are, which I think is something we just need to remember every single day. And and it can be hard as our kids get older to recognize their development. So can you tell us more about this secret and what you know that we need to know? Sure. I love that one. Um, Well, one of the things, it's really hard as a parent. I think we look at our kids and to us, we still see our baby. You know, I mean, even some of us even still refer to like my 15 year old son, who's like six feet tall. I'm like, oh, my baby, because he's my youngest. (laughs) And uh, so I think that as parents, it's just natural. These are our children. You know, we love them so much. And to us, you know, on some level, they'll always be our little kids. So sometimes that translates into not realizing that as they grow up and even you know, when they're pretty darn young, they can start doing a lot more for themselves than we think. Um, I also think that sometimes parents equate being a good parent with like doing more for their kids, like sacrificing yourself, you know, so staying up really late, folding all their laundry or making their lunches for school or whatever it might be. You know, we oftentimes people associate those things with that makes me a better parent, all this more that I do for my child. And you need to be attentive to your children and take care of all their needs. And especially when they're very small, they need you to do everything for them. But I think we neglect sometimes to realize that even a two-year-old can help with food preparation and a three-year-old can pour a small, a little thing of milk over their cereal and kids can start doing things a lot younger than often parents think they can. And one of the things that helps is if you sometimes have other adults who are helping with your child. Sometimes they let your kid do more and you start seeing, oh, wow, you know, when they're at grandma's house, they helped weed the garden. So that's another thing that they can start doing. Or So I, I, a part of it is just kind of a psychological or a mindset shift in realizing that sometimes we underestimate what our kids can do. Um, another issue is usually just like we are, this way we do things, you're not good at things when you first start doing them. So, you know, you have to learn how to do things and it takes some patience to let other people learn how to do things. So, you know, I take the example of, you know, like if you're making cookies with your child and you really like to make your cookies well, and you have like the measuring and the, you know, you have a system or whatever. And, you know, many of us have these things that we do and we've really mastered the technique. Well, so if you're teaching your child how to do it, it's really hard not to just grab the measuring cup from them and say, wait, let me do that because you're not doing it right. You know, you're not quite doing it right. And that's just kind of a metaphor for everything. We could just keep grabbing things from our kid and saying, oh, you know what? You don't really do that right yet. So I'm going to do it for you. Or we can sort of do this process where, you know, first our child watches us do it. And then next, we kind of do it side by side, like together, like maybe we're holding their hand as they dip the measuring cup into the flour. 
And then, you know, the next step is we let them just do it all by themselves with us watching. And then they're doing it on their own. And I think it's this, you can think about that progression with just about anything, like brushing their teeth and doing their laundry and packing their lunch. I mean, everything can be thought of as this process of slowly getting our kids trained up in doing more and more things for themselves and freeing us from doing those things for them. And, um, and it's quite amazing. I remember my four-year-old daughter, my, when my oldest was four, she loved being in charge of her own breakfast. So I would pour milk into like a one cup, like one of those pouring liquid measuring cups and put it on the lower shelf of the refrigerator. So she would get out her cereal box, pour it into her bowl, and then go to the refrigerator and get her little milk pitcher. And she was just as proud as can be at, quote, making her breakfast. But, um, you know, and then next it's help letting them stir the eggs in the pan and learn about keeping, you know, your hand away from the hot pan and all that. So anyway, I just think it's an important thing to remember as a parent that our kids really can do a lot more than we think they can. Mm, Such a good reminder. And thanks for sharing that four-step process too for how to get them to a point where they can do it on their own. That's something Julie Lithcott-Hames, we had on the podcast, How to Raise an Adult, and we talked about that as well. And it's just, you can't really hear it too many times that we can always be helping our kids develop these skills and having them pitch in and have that sense of, you know, agency and feel good about their contribution. Oh, and it builds their confidence so much. And by the way, I totally reference her in my book when I'm talking about this, that four-step process, I got it from her. Yeah. And you kind of can think about that process with everything. And some take longer or not as long, but it's all, it's really important because I think sometimes people say, oh, my child's not ready to go to camp or go to college or go to get a job because they don't know how to do such and such. Well, life has to be this process of continually learning more and more skills that they're going to need as an adult. Exactly, exactly. So and speaking of that, you have some great resources in the back of the book, including you have ideas for family meetings, which I love, you have a list of 50 questions that parents can ask to build connection with their child, you have a household task audit. And then my favorite is the ready for adulthood checklist. So can you just say a few words about why you included those in the back of your book? Yes, I love resources. I'm always finding things and just developing things on my website, just simple ways to think through and kind of simplify different things that we want to do. The ready for adulthood checklist um, really came from I think I wrote that the year that both How to Raise an Adult came out and The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy. And I it was just a, my thought process with my own kids. I really wrote it thinking through, okay, so what is it that I want my child to be able to do or what do they need to know how to do to kind of be what people would consider an adult, like doing these things for themselves. And some of the things on the list, to be honest, like I don't know how to do, like I still don't know how to change a tire, but I do know how to call AAA <laughs> to get my tire changed. <laughs> so it's not necessarily like all of us know all these things, but 
being that that checklist was just my starting point for just something that you can give to your child and basically empower them and say, you know what, here are some things that you're going to need to know. Where do you think you are on this? And kids can look at it themselves. And, you know, I recommend it kind of for adolescents or, you know, maybe age 13 and up and go through and have them think about, okay, you know what, I know how to cook some things. I know how to go to the market and find things. I know how to call and make my own appointments. And I like this as a way of slowly giving your child more responsibility for themselves and kind of making them feel more like they are the one responsible for making sure they're ready. It's not really an external thing. It's more, it gives them the autonomy to figure out what they still need and to ask you what, you know, for help if they need help or guidance on one of the areas. So I just like giving the power to the kids. And I use that list. We give it to our, um, our junior counselors at camp. It's something that I just go over with them and I say, hey, you know, this is this um, list. It's not all encompassing. I'm sure there's some things I miss, but where are you on it? And I have them read through it and check off the things and say, okay, so you're going into your junior or senior year of high school. You know, think about how you can learn some more of these skills that you're going to need. And so then they look at it and they take responsibility for it themselves. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right. So for listeners who want to connect with you, learn more about your work and and also find the book, how can they engage with you? Pretty much the easiest way is just to go to my website because everything's on there. It's sunshine-parenting.com. Okay. And the book is available everywhere? It is pretty much like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and indie books. There's links on there. You can go to happycampersbook.com and get straight to the book page on my website. And that's where you can like links to order it. But you can also just look it up at the different places. Awesome. So listeners, I'll include links to that and the, the other things we talked about on the show notes page. But Audrey, I just want to thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like we could have talked for hours. Um <laughs> And we might have to have you back on to to dive into some of this a little deeper, but I'm really excited for you and for the work that you're doing and just connecting all these pieces together for us. It feels very inspiring to me. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation. I feel the same way. I could keep talking to you all day. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including a link to Audrey's website, Sunshine Parenting, her new book, Happy Campers, and all of the resources we discussed today, visit tiltparenting.com slash session 162. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review or both for Tilt Parenting and iTunes if you haven't done so already. Readings and reviews help keep this podcast visible in an ever-growing sea of podcasts. Thank you so much for considering. Lastly, for the price of a monthly cup of coffee at your local Starbucks or Pete's or Gregory's or Joe and the Juice, you can support the production of this show. It's easy, it's pain-free, and I would be grateful for the help. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash tiltparenting. And that's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? 
You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.